you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Who the hell hired an opera singer to do my part that I do in the show? Oh, my gosh, we did. Uh, there you go. We're testing that out. If I can just learn not to talk over, we'll be good. But that's new today, folks. Uh, we, after 15, 13 years of doing that bit, singing the Chris Voss Show to where you come up to me and scream, the Chris Voss Show. I'm like, security. Uh, there now is an opera singer that we did it. So uh, we have an amazing uh, gentle lady on the show, and she is going to be sharing her amazing thoughts in business, sales, and speaking as well. How you can be a speaker, how you can present yourself better. And she's probably just going to take me apart on the show and just be like, you do everything wrong, Chris. But I think that's the whole point of my show, isn't it? I don't know who it is. Uh, but in the meantime, we have to pay for that opera singer that we hired. Uh, do you know how much it costs to hire an opera singer? It costs a lot. And we had to like have it uh, recorded in a giant hall. No, I'm just kidding. We did fire her. Uh, so, for the show, <laughs> this is the deal. Shame to me. For the show, tell your friends or else, please. Go to goodreads.com for YouTube.com for Christmas. And Chris Frost won on the talkie. Now, I'm going to have an opera singer do the plugs too because I'm tired of reading them. Uh, she is an amazing author in mind. And she brings in a lifetime experience. Uh, her latest book came out August 4th, 2022. Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear. The easiest way to And then we have me, who's, uh, I don't know, I'm good at fixing trailer homes. Uh, Risa Wolf is a TED Talk trainer, keynote speaker, and author with more than 30 years of experience preparing CEOs and their teams to speak with confidence. She's an expert in demystifying and eliminating fear of public speaking. Her book is Mr. Bear Speaking Without Fear, it was mentioned before. And she's here to talk to us and tell us how to be better and present in how we speak and how we do stuff. Welcome to the show, uh, Mrs. Wolf. How are you? It is a pleasure to be here. I really admire your style, that's for sure. There you go. Wait, there's a style? <laughs> hey, this is, she says there casual, I got a style casual confidence you have casual confidence I really like it very, very can much. I finally get paid for this crap now <laughs> I'm telling my I'm telling my bosses that uh, I I'm, I now have style. They tell me I have no style, but honestly, uh, Risa, if you've ever seen me in public, the way I dress in shorts uh, and flip flops and uh, shirts that look like they uh, I don't know I've been wearing them for ten years without washing them, uh, you would find that I have no style. And really, that's a consensus from most women uh, that meet me in in uh, in uh, public. Um, they like usually people come up to me and they hand me money and they're like. Get, get a meal, dude. Okay. I'm just shopping here for hell's sakes, but I will buy some cheese. Uh, so give us a .coms. Where can people go on the interwebs? Where you can find me is Confident yes. Speaking. Confident with a T. ConfidentSpeaking.com. That's what I find in teaching public speaking for over 30 years. I find people 
take a course because they have gotten through life kind of faking it and they finally want to be confident public speakers. There you go. That's what I've done all my life. I just fake it till I make it. I'm still working on making it. Maybe 20 or 30 years from now, I'll finally uh-huh. make it. Um, so give us an a overview of what's inside. Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear, your latest book. Mm-hmm. I've researched public speaking fear for 25 years. Hmm. And it happened at the same time that I was teaching public speaking skills. And I was teaching these three-day long classes. I taught at the largest seminar company for Fortune 500 people. And people would say, oh, my God, you kept my attention for three days. And I would say, well, that's what I'm teaching you to do. But I thought, I'm making all this money here, but I could make more if I were a keynote speaker. So I became a a, a convention keynote speaker, and I was really good. But I realized, Chris, I have a skill above that, and that is I can make anyone in the room speak without public speaking fear. And that's what I do, and that's why I wrote a a book so that anyone can learn it themselves there you go and does the mr bear part is that a way of uh giving it a story so that people can kind of identify it they they feel less like it's an instruction mm-hmm. manual people who are afraid of public speaking fear i'm talking about adults i mean the people who yeah. usually come to see me now are like about 35 years old they've been in their careers for a while but they have been living in secret with public speaking fear for a long time. And so what I find is that when I say, well, have you taken any classes? Have you read any books? They never have because it's just too scary. So I wrote it as a simple story of Mr. Bear has to give a talk, he's panicked. And when he talks to the different coworkers, they teach him all the skills. So it's a very easy way to learn a lot of information, but I purposely summarized every chapter in bullets because frankly, I don't like to read and learn from books that are stories. I like bullets, so I combined the two. And then there are 45 <laughs> tips on stopping public speaking fear. So uh, it's pretty much my last project. This is this is my giveaway of, of my years of research, my years of working with over 3,000 people. And um, this is this is something that I'm very proud of because it, it's it's a proven thing. There you if go. Someone reads, if someone reads this, they will learn how to speak in public. And if they don't, or else, I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, a um, lot of people are very unhappy all the time. You know what's amazing? For people like you and me, we who, who can speak easily, we know that people have public speaking fear. But since I work so you know, intimately with these folks, these are people who, it's not only that they're afraid to get up and speak. At every meeting, they're afraid they're going to be called on and have to speak spontaneously. Mm. They're afraid. They don't like to network because they, it's public speaking. So it's much more. It's it really, it really intrudes on a person's life. And when they read this book, people like us read this book. People like you read it, and they read each page and go, "Yeah, this is good." And, oh, I've learned a few things. People who are afraid of public speaking, when they read Mister Bear Speaks Without Fear, every page they go, "Oh my God!" <laughs> oh my. I never knew that. So it's really quite a revelation. And I wrote it because I know exactly, uh, intimately, the people who are afraid of public speaking, adults who are afraid of public speaking. There you go. I, and, and and so when we're talking about public speaking, I mean, this just doesn't go into, you know, being on a stage or for a keynote. As you mentioned, uh, you know, if you're in a meeting, whether you're a mm-hmm. leader, you know, trying to communicate to your employees, whether you're... Um, 
someone who's a, even like a parent or you're trying to instruct your child you know yeah. how you deliver how you speak to people makes all the difference whether you're a podcaster uh there's something else that i'm trying to claw to and i can't find it but it passed through my brain very quickly and now it's gone so there you go um people people in the audience are like oh no what is it uh there's the suspense i built for you people you can tune in the rest of the show and see if it comes back around to me um that old brain the, the dementia is kicking it basically that's what it is um <laughs> So, uh, you know, whatever you do, this, this effect, uh, I know what I was trying to say. Uh, so if you're talking to a partner, if you're dating, if you're trying to relate to uh, someone you have a relationship with, um, you know, being able to communicate effectively from all these different bounds affects you. Uh, and being able to speak well and speak effectively uh, can make all the difference. You know how I overcame the fear of public speaking? You know? Tell me. Do you know how me. I did? I just don't give a shit. I just don't give a shit anymore. I, I, just, I, 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 talk I, I just don't give a shit anymore. Well, I just know, quit caring. Can I give you a hint that that's actually one of the reasons that people are fearful is that they really care what people think. And instead, oh. this is my first, my first tip that I want to give uh, your <laughs> listeners and your audience that have the attitude of I'm only here to help them. I might not mm. be the, the, I might not make the most money. I don't have the fanciest title, but at this moment in time, I have value to give those people. And if you keep that in mind, instead of what do they think about me? Oh my gosh, I don't speak as well as the last speaker. They don't care about that. They just want your, your content. They just want your stuff. There you so go. I want, I want to give you a lot of tips uh, as we speak, because that's the value of uh, this chat. So what is the core of why people fear public speaking. What are some of their fears and, and why is that such a big deal for them? I would say that there are a few top reasons that people are fearful. One is that I the antidote is to think to yourself, I'm only here to help them instead of thinking about yourself and how, how is this coming across? The second thing is they don't know what to do when people start losing interest. And so what you want to do is stop and say, I really want this to be valuable. And then, you know, prepare ahead some questions to check in with people. Is this what mm -hmm. you were looking for? Is this too basic? It, is, this, is this something that I need to give more of a background on? So really check in. And I think the third thing is that many, many people who are afraid of speaking know what they're going to say at a meeting, either in person or virtually, and then they, they just show up. But without notes, without preparation, without anticipating what might I be asked and, and let me plan ahead what I'm going to say. So a lot of confidence comes from maybe five minutes before a meeting putting together your ideas. And, I, and, and it's very important I teach how to use user-friendly notes because if you write out your talk, it's like saying to yourself, I think I'll make sure I lose my place when I'm there. <laughs> so there I would go. say stop giving impromptu talks and, and go in with notes. That, that's a big antidote. It's good to have notes as a backup, that's for sure, to fall back on. But there there are times where sometimes you have to change direction during a speech because, you know, sometimes oh, yes. the audience is like, I've had people yell out, you know, questions during a speech, and and I've been like, wait, so you want me to talk about that over there? Sure. I'll, <laughs> if so everybody in the room want to? Okay, let's do that. Um, you know, exactly. some, Perfect. Perfect. they're like, we know what you're talking about. We just know we need to know how to apply it. You know that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Now, you had the United Nations director call your book the best public speaking book ever. That's quite the endorsement. Thank you. There you go. Well, I didn't, you know, it wasn't me. You wrote the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I worked, yes, I worked in in the United Nations, several different locations, but the longest location I stayed was three months in Rome. Oh, wow. Twist my arm. Someone had to do it. Yeah, that sounds rough. All that, all that uh, Italian food and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that sounds it was really terrible. rough. Well, I did pizza get to and that. stuff. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> so, um, it's is it a thick book? Is it a is it a voluminous book? Is it is it going to take me a lot if I'm out there and I'm thinking I'm afraid of public speaking? Uh, you know, I, do I have to spend a lot of time with this? Mm-hmm. Actually. That's the whole point. When I realized that people who are afraid of public speaking fear, they just want to get it fixed fast. That's why I wrote it in a story form with the bulleted summaries. But look how small it is. It's not even the size of a regular book. It's purposely, everything about it is to make it look like a children's book. So when you pick it up, it's not threatening like a lot of those books are. You know, speak without fear. All those books are scary. This is kind of friendly. And frankly, if it be read in an hour... Oh really? Yeah, so it's not like War and Peace, huh? Yeah, yeah it's like a hundred. It's a hundred pages. Every page is packed, though. I can tell you that every page is packed. There you go. Now you coach on your website, from what I understand. You do speaking training individually, and I guess coaching. You would say uh, you help people with their TED Talk trainers. There's a lot of people doing TED Talks now. Tell us about some of the work you do there. Have you Have you ever noticed when you watch a TED Talk how how they hold your attention the whole 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a TED Talk trainer. I'm the one who teaches them to do that. And I put some of those techniques actually in Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear. So I do that. And that is really fun. That's even more. I think it's more work for someone to do even than a keynote speech at a convention because it's more like a Broadway performance. But mm-hmm. most of the people that I work with who find me on the, on the web are people who are about let's just say 35 to 40 years old they have gotten to high enough positions that they have to give a speech that's more um, scary than than the rest it's to a bigger group or it's to more important people or they've just taken mm-hmm. a new job or um, <laughs> and actually sometimes I get people who say you know I've even turned down jobs because it had public speaking. And now this job, wow. love this company. I've been here eight years and now I got to speak. So that's why they're really, it's been their secret. Mm-hmm. If you asked your friends, are you afraid of public speaking? They would reluctantly say yes, because oh. they can speak one to one or one to five. But as soon as it's a larger group, they just won't do it. There you go. So those are the people who find me. It's usually business owners. I would say medium-sized business owners and corporate types that are either C-suite or close to C-suite. And, and a fair amount of managers, but mostly I would say that's my demographic. Lots of technical people, engineers, mm-hmm. lots and lots and lots of salespeople. You'd be shocked because that's your specialty. That mm-hmm. uh, many salespeople are afraid to get up to, to do the big presentations at the conventions. There you go. The other way I got over the fear of speaking is extreme narcissism. (laughs) (laughs) And not giving a shit. Uh, So mix that with some dark triad, you got a perfect formula cocktail. (laughs) 
<laughs> of uh, ugliness. But uh, no, I mean, I, I love entertaining people. I love making people laugh. Um, uh-huh. it, it's when people laugh, it's like cracked in my brain. I have one of those comedic oh, brains. Yeah. But Chris, don't people say to you, oh, my God, I could never do what you do. Don't people say that to you? I could That's never do That's because I suck at it, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's because i suck at whatever they're telling i can never do what you do because you're an idiot and i'm just like i don't know what's your point so there you go um so you work with people there's a lot of people doing these ted talks now there seems to be every week you know so I, mm-hmm. one of my friends is like i'm doing a ted talk and um so a lot of people are getting uh, good at this and evidently it's become a really good way to do these ted talks uh, for raising the your brand, getting more speaking oh. gigs, and stuff like that. Oh yes, no question. That's I would say that's one of the big reasons people do it. Either they have an idea that they want to share, mm-hmm. or they have themselves and their company or their I- idea that they can be traced to, so people can can purchase their stuff. And a lot of people do it simply so they can put it on their website because it's a lot of credibility to do a, a TED talk. Mm-hmm. And it makes all the difference in the world when you can speak, when you can, um, you know. I, I think, I think a lot of, I, I think a lot of people. It, this comes a lot up on the show with authors and stuff talking about this, but imposter syndrome. Oh. And I think a lot of people have a challenge with that, don't they? When they speak, is like, yeah, maybe I'm full of shit. You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do, do you want me to make some comments on that? Yes, if you would, please. Ah. So That's usually why we ask questions on the show, Risa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing you. Oh, no, noted. Noted. I'm Thank you. I'm teasing you. No, no, please. The imposter thing is that people still have a self-image of them like when they were 21 years old. So they come to me and say, you know, when I was new in the business, I didn't know anything. And when I gave my talk... This guy just humiliated me in public, and I've just been fearful ever since. Wow. But now they're 35, and they've become kind of expert in their area, and they actually have something to say. So I say to them, well, let me ask you this. If you were in your current company, and that same guy who did that to you walked in and did that to you, what would you do now? Oh, well, now I would, and they would say what they would do. Hmm. So they have to update who they are. Who you are now is a person that if, you know, some jerk like that did that you would handle them yeah, and throw them out the second story window that's it that's no it. don't do that folks so it's really, yeah, that. That, that's the fantasy of it but the point is is that people have to kind of update their self-image and you know over the years everybody you know grows and develops and it's important to kind of take inventory of wait a second at this point in time i have value for people not i don't know everything that everybody in this room knows but i know my little piece of it and that's why i earn my seat here it's it, it's a nice uh you do a lot of self-talk to overcome that mean mind that's tormenting you with the old stuff yeah mine's the nine personalities that i have that, that talk me <laughs> leads me there's someone that says kill 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 all the time so the judge says i can't listen to him anymore uh and then i get my ankle bracelet off next week if i do uh so uh this is really deep um in what you go into Stop your tormenting thoughts you cover. How to recover from speaking mistakes. I think I think some people, you know, they, they flub something up or you know, I've been known to jump over something in my in in a speech and go, Oh shit, where now I'm all fucked up. Where was I? Uh and uh, uh but this makes all the difference. If you can't if you can't speak and communicate to people, I think especially in the corporate world, it hurts your ability to 
rise through the corporate ladder to, to to get better jobs to be seen as more value i mean certainly if you can be a speaker for your company you've got you've got more job security than anybody i've got a couple of friends that they're kind of always the speakers for their companies they work at and they can go they get picked up by all sorts of different companies because the other companies see them speaking and they're like hey go hire that people um so there's there's all sorts of great things that come from it and then just i don't know being more comfortable in your own skin where maybe you don't have imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. you go there you go yeah yeah Um, i think that so in in your on your website uh, how do people work with you? How do they onboard with you? How do they reach out to you and find out, you know, if uh, if working with you is is good? And you know, what sort of services you offer? I noticed in your training, there's several different services you have on your website. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing is is that people usually find out about me because they've heard about Mr. Bear speaks without fear. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people just find me SEO, just searching public speaking fear. And the good news now is that I do, I would say even before Zoom, I was using Skype and doing one-to-one training because I'd say it, pretty much six years into my career, ages ago, I started to do international training. I would meet someone maybe in the States, but then they would have me do you know a program for their company online and I'd be getting up at four in the morning to do it in different parts of the world. But the point is, right now, people find me, individuals, they often pay for their services themselves. They don't need the company to know that they're doing this. Oh. We meet on Zoom like this. I'm uh, I, I'm no nonsense. Yes, you can see. Even now, I really get to the point. And I would say an important thing to know about me in one reason that I work so quickly is that I studied with the man who invented cognitive therapy, uh, Dr. Albert Ellis, and that's oh, wow. why I work so fast. Mm-hmm. That's why I work so fast. And it's really, mm-hmm. when people, I say sometimes, so have you taken courses or you know, have you worked with, oh yes, I'm seeing a therapist now. And all I can think of is, I think you might wanna consider another therapist. If you've been working with someone and you still have this fear because pretty much in the first, I would say first four sessions, it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And that's the thing about cognitive therapy. It's not covered up like, here's how to cope with your fear. Oh, no, it's eliminated. It's really taking out the crazy thinking, fixing it, mm-hmm. pushing it back in, and then they have their whole life gets a lot more free. It's very, very, very satisfying work because as I stay in touch with, with former clients, it, it transforms their life. If they they think, if I can get over this, the biggest fear I've had for you know forty years. What else am I overlooking? And it's it's very 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 cool. You've done that, I'm sure. Haven't you gotten feedback from on your show that you've made a difference yeah. in people's lives and careers? Yeah, I mean we've had we've had feedback where sometimes people were going to make a decision to end their life during a day, and 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 somehow we changed wow. their life by something positive. We said we've had that twice actually, um, which is really weird because we didn't. <clears throat> That wasn't our intention. You know, we're just mm-hmm. doing positive uh, communications and outreach and, and entertaining people. And and uh, to have that sort of impact where you're like, wow, wow. I may have saved someone's life today um, is interesting. And this is one of the beauties of what, you're, what you've communicated and, and talked about on the show is, is, you know, being able to public speak and be effective and inspire people, motivate people, entertain people. 
you, you never know what lives you touch and what differences you make. I mean, mm -hmm. most times you won't even hear about it. So, you know, sometimes somebody will come up to me and tell me something. Hey, you know, you did this thing three years ago, and that really made a difference in my life. And I'm like, wow, wow. really? Uh, that's really cool. Um, but I think, uh, I think, uh, but yeah, my psychiatrist has me um, on a 20-year uh, retainer program for most of my other issues other than public speaking. So I just wanted to make that clear to everybody. <laughs> Get professional help. Um, he's currently, it's either that or the frontal lobotomy, and we're that's still up for grabs. So, uh, people who listen to the podcast for 15 years ago, I thought he already had the frontal lobotomy. Anyway, um, so people can do a complimentary 15 minute first step call with you to get the mm -hmm. question answered, see if you guys are a fit. That's a good yeah. option to have, right? Yeah, they go to confident with a T, confident speaking.com and just do a mm -hmm. contact us fill it in and yeah 15 minutes uh, no obligation a lot of times people just want to finally tell someone the truth there you go and you, you deal with the executives of companies and different things do you find that they usually like that discreet sort of training like they don't want to oh. announce like hey i'm learning to speak over here bob uh you know they're in the office place oh no i they don't want anyone to know because these people have risen pretty high faking it. So uh, they don't want anyone to know. I mean, pretty part of par part of who they are is this, this, you know, their image. Oh no, I'm the best kept secret for a lot of people. But you know, what's great is I allow people to call me in between appointments. Anyone can have five minutes with me. So if they, you know, email, Oh my God, I've asked me to speak it, write me a better opener. Anyone can have five minutes with me. So it's, it's a real ongoing, intense, intense experience, and people are healed, but it's our little secret. Fine there with you me. Go. I don't care. It's, it's very, you can, can you imagine how pleasing this field is for me? I studied this for 25 years. I'm giving 25 years of fear of public speaking research into each person. It's very, very exciting for me. There you go. And it, it's important to, uh, Read the book too, even if you have like, uh, even if you have, you know, you've, you've maybe public speaking before. I mean, the, the one thing about public speaking is you can always get better and better. Uh, and uh, so you can read the book even if you are, you know, uh, a novice or a, I don't know, you feel you're an advanced speaker. Because the more, the more sort of tips and tricks you can come out with, and of course practice is so good, uh, being in the mindset of, of, of pre-programming stuff in your brain I think helps as well cool. being confident being narcissist where you don't give a shit about what anybody thinks that helps too <laughs> as well uh, what are what are any what are things that we haven't talked about that uh, we, we should uh, tease out that are in the book one thing that's important to know is to recognize that when you must make mistakes you just fix them and keep talking most people when they're in front of people they're, they fear making mistakes because, oh, if I make a mistake, they'll think and then fill in the blank of, you know, I, I don't belong here. Why is she there? Why is he <laughs> in front of us? All, you know, all those other mm -hmm. things. And then what, here's the deal about fear. Once fear raises, the brain stops. And that's why sometimes people go blank as they're mm -hmm. speaking. Oh, it's horrific. It's horrific. It's yeah. horrific. It's a thing that, that, you know, when you wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning the night before speaking, thinking, what if I make a mistake? So here's the antidote to mistakes. You know how everybody here who's listening, everyone in the audience, when you're saying to your friends, let's meet on Wednesday, oh, no, no, I mean, 
talking Thursday. You know, when you make a mistake, you just fix it and keep talking. If you say, let's meet at three o'clock. No, I think we, no, let's meet at two. So when you mistake, make mistakes with friends, you, it's perfect that I should make a mistake then. Yeah, <laughs> when you make a mistake with friends, you can like, fix it. And so yeah. the same thing with people. So I do suggest that you rehearse aloud anything that you're a little concerned about, even if it's just a section of your talk that you don't usually give. And as you rehearse aloud, you will make mistakes because speaking, mm-hmm. when, you, when you speak, you make mistakes. That as you make mistakes in your rehearsal, you fix them and keep speaking. In other words, get used to what's going to happen in real life, which is you will skip a bullet. You will trip over something. You will forget to say that, how to say that word in English. So rehearse getting over those mm-hmm. and just getting, getting to your talk. I just usually own it and roll through it and take the, you know, I just did that early in the middle of the show. If you notice when, when I couldn't remember one of the points I wanted to make, yeah. I just own it. And I just take the, I just take people on a journey with me and they actually follow. Cause they're like, wait, where's he going now? He's going someplace. What, what the <laughs> hell, what the hell's going on now? He's, he's, he's <laughs> off on, he's off going someplace. Where's he going? And, uh, I don't know if it works, but, uh, people send to not care or listen. Oh, but you're right. It's, it's just saying, Oh, th- 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 I said it, Rehearse this, like rehearse the saves. Oh, I said that wrong. Let me say it again. But I do it with a smile to show that I take the work seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. So even, that's another tip, is to prepare saves. You know when you see wonderful speakers and they mess up and then they say something cute and adorable and funny and then they go back to their talk. Well, they use that cute and adorable and funny thing all the time. Mm-hmm. So, that's my secret the, the humor i just fall back to a joke or comedy or a humor or be self-deprecating well, yeah. that's and that actually is the answer that is the answer to the yeah. to the issue when i make mistakes what should i do oh just you prepare ahead you can joke about it if you're giving a serious talk then you say mm-hmm. oh just a moment let me say that better mm-hmm. just make it fit there you go or i i just mm-hmm. ask people boy what i just sounded said said sounds stupid no, I don't. I don't do that. No, I don't. <laughs> you can, though, if you want. You can do anything you want. I mean, that's the beauty of life. Um, so uh, the other thing you teach people, I thought this is really interesting. When you don't know the answer, you will know what to do and say to maintain your authority and credibility. This is one of those important things that CEOs and a lot of leaders need to have, that sometimes when you there's an mm-hmm. art form to when you don't know an answer right away or maybe you're trying to figure out what questions coming at you, especially if you meet the media, and this can help with media as well. If you're in, if you're in, in the front PR action, uh, sections of of uh, dealing with investors or media people, um, mm-hmm. and and being able to uh, analyze the question and think about it and not give that instant response that might end up in some PR carfuffle or, you know, you end up sounding like an idiot or you don't sound like you know exactly if you're up on the topic. And so giving that time, repeating the question uh, and what to do can really help. Uh, What do you think about that? I would say that everyone who's listening should take that advice. (laughs) Very good advice is that one, anticipate what questions might I get? Mm-hmm. And then rehearse the answers aloud because thinking is not rehearsing and kind of mumbling through it on in the car on the way there is not rehearsing. Rehearsing as if you're on the Zoom, as if you're on, on camera on virtual. Rehearse 
you know, standing up or, you know, go to the conference room ahead of time and rehearse standing up. You know, get used to your ideas and what you'll say if you get the difficult questions. And your advice is the best, which is to say, I need to give some that I need to give that some thought. Let mm -hmm. me write back that down. I'll get back to you and, and I'll email it to you. In fact, I'll broadcast it to everyone in the meeting. There you go. Full disclosure, I stole that off your website. So, so smart. Yeah, there you go. Full disclosure, I stole that line off your website. <laughs> when you don't know an answer, you will know what to do and maintain your authority and credibility if you work with uh, mm -hmm. uh, Risa here. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that's one of the bylines uh, promotions there. But it's true. I mean, you, you'll see CEOs that will make the most stupidest comments because they immediately try and, you know, answer a media question and they yeah. ended up they end up just mucking it when you're like take a breath repeat the question uh and then you know, like you can rephrase well you know it's interesting you say that and you know there's a lot of issues that surround this issue that you're talking about in the meantime in the back of your brain going i don't know what the fuck the answer is for this <laughs> um so <laughs> but i gotta i gotta come up with something soon so i'll just keep stalling you know recently um i saw the technically quote-unquote coo i mean what Wait, never mind. CEO of X, which is Twitter. Um, I think it's called BK next week. Um, mm -hmm. And I recently saw her on a tech show. And she, the person who was interviewing was very combative. It was almost like a cat fight. I don't know if you saw this. Um, but uh, she was getting peppered uh, pretty hard. And she was getting hard questions, too. And she was being incredibly evasive because... Uh, I don't know. That's all you can do when you're the pretend CEO of a company that Elon Musk runs and you're really just the COO. And he's, of course, doing controversial shit that now you're on stage having to answer questions about. And she was doing a really interesting job of evading, but stalling and also diversion. And a lot of people, she got a lot of crap for it, especially from some of the tech uh, really good tech journalist but when i really watched what she was doing i was watching how she was doing what we were talking about where if you don't know an answer or you don't want to answer a question a certain way how to still try and maintain authority and credibility and control and it was a lot of work she was putting into it and roundabout mm. but just watching the art form of it and how she delivered mm. it mm. i don't know what worked out better for her but the answers that she didn't want to give probably mm. wouldn't have worked out better anyway so mm, you know mm. it's kind of one of those things when the media is peppering you or maybe you're getting questions from employees or investors you know you're at that big investor uh annual thing uh you know you, there's maybe some questions you don't want to deal with um or you know you don't want to disclose certain things maybe you're a politician maybe you're a parent who doesn't want to explain to the kid you know what certain things are that they found on their google search uh you know you got to have that political sort of spin answer so all these different things can really help uh, do better when it comes to leadership, speaking, and communicating. Mm -hmm. That's my point. I would say that I completely agree. And, and if I can add to what you said, that the big thing is if you know that something's messed up and you're going to get a lot of questions about that, you have to think of what questions will I get and write down the answers you're going to give. You know, I mean, make an outline of the answers you're going to give. And most importantly, what are the worst questions I can get? What are the ones mm. I hope I don't get? Those are the ones that you want to mostly prepare ahead of time. I used to do outplacement training, which is like when an IBM or Coca-Cola, when those companies laid off people years and years ago, I did this years ago, I would, uh, when they would lay off their executives, they would put them in this training 
to decide what they were going to do next, write their resume, and just help them with job interviews, which was like the first uh, public speaking that, that that's done in a while where they're under the gun. And for those people, it was important that they really take a look at where are they heading, what do they want to do next, and um, for them, when they were doing job interviews, there were things that as I would prepare them for the interview, I would say, you know, we would ask the typical questions. Then I would say, what are the questions that you hope or you fear that they're going to ask you? And they would lay, list those. You know, well, I was, I, I traded jobs, you know, what, what, you know, four jobs in four years or here, here are three years that I missed and I didn't have any jobs at all. And prepare ahead what you're going to say, because this is what most people do when they get a question that they don't want to handle, their whole body language and everything changes. They've been answering with this kind of eye contact and body language. They get a difficult question and they go, oh, well, um, those were the two years that I... <laughs> they get all apologetic, which brings attention to mm -hmm. the one thing they don't want attention to. So it's imperative, really. Yeah. If, you are, if you've done something wrong, if something's going on, you know there are going to be difficult questions. You need to spend hours rehearsing ahead of time live with, one, planning what you're going to say, rehearsing the words, and also rehearsing the body language so that you appear the way you want to appear, and it's not your default fear look. You could, you, you could really help the Florida governor, um, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but he's got this thing, and somebody pointed out on TikTok, and now I can't unsee it. But he does a he does a grit grimace when he's asked something he doesn't want to deal with, or he's he's not happy, or he just does it sometimes when he's like, I don't want to be here. And I don't know if you've noticed it yet, but his that's an example of where your body language really gives it away. Yeah. And he does like this thing where, oh my. My PR guy says I should smile, so I'm gonna smile. And I really don't feel like smiling. Like it, it's a real dead giveaway. And uh, regardless of where you're on politics, let's skip that, boys and girls. Um, watching his body language sometimes, and once you see it, I'm serious. Like go watch some of his speeches oh, and interviews, yeah. or when he's on on deck with the Republican uh, debates going right now. He does this grimace thing, and it's and he'll grit his teeth like he'll clench his jaw and crap. And you're just like, what's going on, dude, in your head? Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, that's one of the things people don't think about. They're thinking about more what they're going to say as opposed to how they look in their body language. Mm -hmm. And body mm -hmm. language is just so important, as we've had great people on the show teach mm -hmm. us that. Um, but, yeah, it, it, and sometimes I'll laugh it off. Like, uh, like if somebody asks you a hard question, the best way to do is to, is to break it down just like a shit test. And you go, you go, <laughs> yep, that was the question I was afraid someone was going to answer and I've been worried about all day. And then just laugh. And people and people will laugh with you. They're like, ah, oh, yeah. But if you if you ask if you answer that question, you know, with that, oh no, there it is. You know, people people tune attention. into that. Yeah, it brings attention. The media are like, yeah, we got him. This is front page news right here. <laughs> and uh, being able to have that eloquence to you know uh, be able to answer questions and deal with mm -hmm. them and make all the difference in the world. And you know, you made a really good point right now, and that is that that. There are really three parts of what makes a charismatic speaker, charismatic speaker. And that is the words, of course, have to be good. But what really counts a lot is the sound of the voice. Mm. When someone says, oh, yes, I, I, I can do that. That sounds different than, yes, I can do that. You know, and there's I could do it 15 different ways. But 
if you really pay attention to what is the sound of my voice communicating as well, and then of course the body language. Mm. Yeah, those all make a big, big difference. And many, many people, I guess people who are afraid of public speaking, but I would say generally when I taught public speaking to these Fortune 500 people, these executives, that most everyone was concerned about the words. And it's really your demeanor and your way of mm. being with people that gets your message from your head into side of their head. There you go. With comedy, you learn to tune into people. So if somebody throws shit at you, you focus in on them and you talk to them directly and you try and have fun or you try and make them laugh. In fact, one of the problems mm -hmm. you have as a comedian is whoever's not laughing in the room is the person that you really start focusing on because you're like, yeah. I want to make that, that dude laugh. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're responding with, well, I'm glad you asked me that question, you're folding your arms and putting a body language <laughs> that make you like, ah, this again. Uh, you know, Different body language. Uh, like, I'm serious. If you go watch, if you go, everyone in the audience is going to be like, we're going to go watch Ron DeSantis right now. But if you see the grimace <laughs> thing, right. the lockjaw <laughs> thing, and he actually does this with his teeth, you'll see him grind his teeth. And it's like, and you're just like, I'm holy crap. His, his, yeah. I'm surprised someone hasn't let him know that that's it, that he shouldn't play poker. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't ever see it until TikTok. Somebody went, have you ever noticed what Ron DeSantis does? And now, like, I can't see it because the whole time I ever see him on TV, I'm like, <laughs> see that grimace there and uh so yeah someone should fix that for him but uh it's a great example of body language and and how to do things uh so as we go out risa uh, give us your final thoughts tell us how people can mm -hmm. onboard with you work with you etc cetera, etc cetera. i would say the first thing to do is to go to amazon and get mr bear speaks without fear because it really if you get it tomorrow morning, by tomorrow night, you will have so little public speaking fear. Plus, you'll be you'll have written the next talk you have to give as as you learn how to write. Just choose the subject of the talk you have to give uh, in six weeks. And if someone wants to see me, just go to confidentspeaking.com and contact me because you know it's it's really an opportunity to see could I be helpful to you if you work one to one. I would say that. If what I'm saying at all in this in this interview is resonating with you, it means a part of you wants to get rid of this fear. You don't have to use me. You don't have to read my book. But do something to help yourself because this is a fixable problem. It does require reprogramming your brain, but isn't it worth it? Because you have a bunch of junk in your brain that's making you crazy. So the point is, is that if you have public speaking fear or if if you're a good speaker and you want to learn TED Talk tips, those are learnable. And I would say the takeaway is when you see someone who speaks well and you admire one little thing they do, just imitate that for a week and it'll be yours. There you go. There you go. Well, it, uh, give us your .com, Risa, so people can find you on the interwebs. Okay. It is confident speaking.com and you can contact me there and you can ask I'll, I'll, I'll answer a free question <laughs> be my guest there you go thank you very much Risa for coming on it's been insightful and fun to have you oh back at you
There you go. And thanks to our audience for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you guys. As always, please go give us those five-star reviews on iTunes. Help us pay for the uh, operatic singer we hired for the intro plug. Uh, go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and Chris Voss, one of the TikTok. Tell all your friends. That's all we need. It's really, it's free. You just call somebody up and say, hey, go subscribe to the Chris Voss show or else. Anyway, guys, don't do that. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And that should have us out.